Welcome to another episode of the New York Information Security Meetup, and I have the great pleasure to introduce Richard Malik, who is the Director for Product Strategy for Zimperium. How are you, Richard? Thanks Doing for joining. great, David. How are you? Good, good. So uh, just for the viewers, this is a, a non-scripted conversation. Uh, you know, Richard did not have any questions up front, and we're uh, basically, we're going to have this, uh, you know, talk that will flow naturally. So Richard, thanks very much for joining and appreciate the time you take today too. Of course, to, uh, not a problem. So let's start with the fact that you have unbelievable background. You have progressed, and I, I've I've noticed the the kind of the you've always stayed in marketing and marketing products, but you uh um you started in in the Marine Corps, right? So yep. you've had some some technical background training. So let's start w- with that, and then yep. kind of you know your first roles and and so on. Let's start with there. Yeah, so I uh, joined the Marine Corps out of high school, became a, a network administrator. I figured computers would, was the way of the future. And, um, you know, net administrators in the, in the Marine Corps, that was help desk, essentially. Uh, and then network builders and, and the likes of that for four years. Now, what was funny is that was 2003, 2007, and we were still installing Windows NT 4.0 for servers. <laughs> uh, to kind of show you how backdated the military was on that. But, um Learned a lot, actually became one of the first Marines to become uh, Cisco VoIP certified. Uh, I did that two months before I actually ended my contract at the end of four years, but still something, a little proud moment of, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> not COVID, <laughs> something to uh, something to really just kind of help push the Marine Corps into the next generation, was part of uh, the building out of uh, multiple uh, networks and network styles. So military has, they've got a secret network, they've got a public network, and they have something that sits right between it. Um, so that, that's made for allies. And so I was part of the team that helped to develop that out of Okinawa, Japan. Had a lot of fun, but realized it wasn't really for me. Uh, I respect everything that the help desk and the IT teams and and SOC teams do, but it just, it, it was so thankless. Uh, you know, I always said uh, in the Marine Corps, you're trained to be the biggest, baddest, meanest fighting machine. And I was helping to reset computers. <laughs> uh, it wasn't, wasn't really well respected. And so I got out, um, went to college and uh, started finding my my niche inside of marketing and storytelling. Got my English degree in journalism minor, and um, uh, this is graduated at the right time of the start of the recession. It was a lot of fun. Uh, bounced around helping small businesses here and there until I got the caught the attention of Webroot, um, and it was I got a call from the head of the community, head of the uh, social media marketing, and they said, you know, you you have a way of communicating out with this with your group, with the, within these communities, we'd like you to come do that for us. And so um, joined up and started learning the product, started learning the technology and found that I, where I really fell in love was with, 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 with machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, and the foundation of what became at the time, next generation, antivirus, next generation, um, EDR. And then uh, did that for three and a half years, moved on from there to was poached over to Silence, uh, the big green machine, um, uh, was poached over there and became the global spokesperson, one of two people that traveled around the world and did technical demos uh, on a global scale. And the whole premise of the idea was, you know, you said I'm in marketing and it's an interesting spot. I sit in marketing, but it's I'm far more technical. So it's tech marketing, but it's not tech marketing. 
um, not a traditional marketer in that sense. Yeah, and we, we're definitely going to cover that. And yeah, and then I, I can't stop thinking in my head how great of a storyteller you are. You, you know, again, we didn't rehearse this, but it's just uh, it just flows, and it's great because again, you you started as a technical administrator for yep. for networks, which, by the way, it's not. I know you you kind of diminished the role, but it's it's not trivial. People don't realize oh, how no, it's, it's not trivial. It's just not for me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but how intense, yeah. how intense the training and how much work. It's not nine to five. No, you know, and you, it definitely was not nine to five. Yeah. You still had the flip phone, you know, just, you know, you, you get the bat phone that would call you and you had to go reset, <laughs> you know, the CO's uh, computer wasn't working or the, he had a presentation for his commanding officer. Yeah. yeah. The intensity of oh, it all goodness. is something you don't typically experience in the, in the corporate world, unless, yeah. unless you're, you know, very early stage, stage startup, but yeah, absolutely. But, um, so, and it was also interesting as well is that, um, you early on, you found out where your niche is, you know, what you like to yeah. do. And then you went for it. And, you know, again, for people that kind of get, um, you know, they do the service and they get into the civilian world, um, not all of them are as smooth transition as you did. So what do you think that specifically that you had that was uh, enabled you to to become so quickly, like, you know, proficient and become so marketable, uh, pun intended, uh, for, for the, you know, for these roles? Um, for, for me, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that. Um, I'm always seeking to learn. I'm always seeking to understand and explain things. And that's not to say I understand everything I learned. Uh, I, tr I've tried to understand blockchain. I, it, it doesn't click inside <laughs> my head, but the likes of artificial intelligence, machine learning, I started to get fascinated with that. It wasn't until um, Dave DeFore, who is the spokesperson, or I don't know if he's still there, but he was the spokesperson for WebRoot, which became Carbonite, which became OpenText. Uh, but he did this presentation one day at, at RSA. It was the second RSA I'd ever attended. And he was explaining machine learning and artificial intelligence and how it learns. And the way he presented it, it literally was a light bulb for me. And so everything that I've been learning about the product, everything I've been learning about you know, security and community and storytelling finally had a foundation to stand on. Now I had something cool to take to the people. And since it had clicked with me, now I could start building my own theories and knowledge off that and applying that and looking at Dave DeFore and some of the other just crucial influencers within the space um, and how they were going out there and communicating and telling these advanced stories to the world. I was I said, that's what I want to do. Um, so for me, it was grasping onto that idea that I'm always learning. And I always have to be pushing myself. Um, I, whether it be a, a, a fallacy or not, I, I can't stop. I have, I have FOMO. I fear of missing out on everything, fear of missing out on the news, fear of missing out on the new tech, fear of missing out on new knowledge. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I can tell you I don't sleep much at night because I'm always trying to absorb more and take in more and understand it and ask the question. Um, but at no time do I ever say I'm the expert because I don't ever want to be the smartest one in the room. There's a good quote. If you're the smartest one in the room, you're the, in the wrong room. And so in that mindset, I put myself in uncomfortable positions. I take on challenging challenging tasks and opportunities and say, I'm going to grow into this and also have the humility to say, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, I think that was a big thing. That's not to say it was it was seamless by no means. Uh, there's some, some things that, about the military transition from the military life to civilian life that are very difficult to deal with. You 
you know, the military, they teach you, oh, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a manager when you get out. You're going to be the boss. And no, you're not. <laughs> when you, if you get out after four to eight years in the military, you're most likely going to start back at the bottom. And that took me a while to realize and to figure out that while my military service was experience, it wasn't transferable necessarily to management and, you know, transferable into leadership within an organization. And I had to learn how to do it the business way. And that's where, you know, being knocked down and being humble enough to go, yeah, I can see where I messed up there. I can see where my mindset was wrong has helped me, I feel, progress within this space. Yeah, it's uh, super interesting. And I experienced, you know, a similar, um, you know, similar ways as well. Um, so another area that I that like to cover is that, uh, so how do you feed that, that FOMO? Like, how do you make sure that you are you know, on top of things, you know, what are your kind of your favorites things to, to review on a regular basis to, you know, this is a, such a fast moving target, oh, right? Yeah. Um, you know, technology is especially cybersecurity in particular. Uh, so what's your favorite tool? I mean, it's news reading. It really comes down to reading what's in the news. Um, some subscribe to multiple newsletters uh, and I actually read them. Cyberwire is one of my favorite one. That's a shameless plug. Uh, for them over there, I absolutely adore them. It's something that I push on my whole team. The day you join, that's the first thing I tell you, you're going to sign up for CyberWire. You're going to get this email, you're going to read, and you're going to see the trends of what's coming. On top of that, I've been really, really blessed and lucky enough to um, build up a good networking community with on Twitter of, of hackers and cybersecurity experts and analysts, um, friends with analysts from all regions, leaders, product leaders, and technology leaders from all different companies. Uh, and I watch and I engage with and I talk to them, I'll call them or text them and say, hey, that's how you tweet this. Like, you know, what does this mean? And like digging into it. Um, and then Reddit, you know, Reddit can be a very toxic place, as I'm sure we all know. <laughs> but if you, you know, selective in the communities you get and get into, it's a little bit of a, um, it can, you can have some horse blinders on. So, you know, always saying, okay, am I in all the right communities? But NetSec is probably the most active community. And there's so much news that appears in there. And it's going in and just saying, you know, what's what's interesting? What's keeping me there? And then, you know, the final one is I always watch who's getting invested in, right? There's there's it's one thing for me to think a technology is cool, but it's another thing to see, you know, is there a business viability behind that? That's not a space I'm interested in ever caring about. I don't even know the price of the product that we sell because for me, it's about delivering the technology and delivering a, a solution and not, you know, selling the price. But when I see an investor coming in and say, hey, for their first round of funding, for their seed funding, we've dropped $10 million into it. Okay, there's something viable there. That's something interesting. What is it? How does it work? And, you know, really, really digging it down there, reading solution briefs. I'm, I am the, the, the consumer of that. It's, uh, you know, hear you speak. I, uh, you know, it spawns so many questions. I'm trying to keep them in order in my mind. So. So this conversation flows in a kind of a, you know, easier way. Um, you know, so one thing that comes to mind that springs to mind to me is that you're very inquisitive. And then also, you know, you're doing almost like active listening. So as yeah. you mentioned, uh, reaching out to people on Twitter, um, that's active. That's not just strictly consuming on the back end. Yeah. And I don't know how many people actually do this because it, it you know, requires some levels of, of efforts. Yeah. Um, so again, this is something that's not trivial that you've taken on uh, to do on a regular basis, and it, it obviously shows. Um, let me ask you this as well. You know, one thing that you mentioned um, that you were recruited, right? So okay. you are 
as a marketer, you're doing something well. You market yourself as well. And and then you that's how you got your, you know, the, the positions because people obviously came across your profile or your what your work. Yeah. And so what do you find that is, you know, how important it is for you still to do this today? And because we're not as, you know, uh, you know, traveling around the world is not happening anymore. Uh, maybe it will come back and I hope it will. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of this strictly online, you know. So what's what's your take on uh, kind of the new reality of of uh, of the marketers today? So, you know, that's it. I don't know what's made me so successful in this space. And then I wish I did. Um, it's. You know, I have some friends that are very sticky that they have their, you know, their look and feel and, you know, they're known for this and known for that. You know, uh, my best friend, for example, uh, Matt Stevenson, he and I used to travel the world together when we were at Silence and uh, he was known for his bow ties. He was known for his suits and that was his thing. And so when you when he stepped in, everybody knew who he was. He, he established that persona when years and years, years back when he was at Silent or at, at Symantec. Um, and backup exec. Uh, even at my wedding, he was the he was the uh, uh, officiant. He wore his bow tie. That's what he does. Um, I. It's about engagement. I think the modern the modern space for me and like the modern brand and persona development really comes down to engagement. There's there's this balance, right? You've got social media influencers and. You know, they're influencing to consume. They're influencing people to go out and buy something. They're influencing people to go out and change something or live a life that maybe they can't afford or, you know, aspire to be something. And that's one kind of influence. The other kind of influence is to educate. Mm -hmm. And I've strived to become the educator. I've strived to become somebody that doesn't know all the answers but can help plant a seed of, of, you know, maybe this is where we should start thinking. You know, talking to my community uh, be it uh, part of a bunch of cybersecurity marketing groups, like Cybersecurity Marketing Society, for example, that's a really big one, part of that group, helping my competition out in some cases. You know, they've got a question coming in and being an educator because I have this mindset of, um, if I'm, two mindsets, if, if I'm not helping to educate you, then or learning from you, then, you know, I'm not delivering my best to you. And then the second part of it is within the cybersecurity space as a whole. Uh, if we don't work together on some level, even the minute level, you know, somebody from Lookout posts up a question or somebody from Checkpoint posts up a question in there and, like, hey, I'm thinking about this. How's everyone's success been about that or something? That, you know, hey, I'm running into this problem. If I have the answer and I don't share it, then I'm not being my best self. And, um, I'm not being the best for this community because ultimately in the cybersecurity space, we are all in this together, going up against malicious actors, going up against the malicious parties, going up against nation states that have a lot of money that are targeting our customers. And if we spend more time in fighting, then we're going to lose, lose connections with what we're actually here to do. And so totally. I, I try to apply that to my, to my everyday. Yeah. And, and I would say that you're, you know, you, you do exactly that. You know, the way we got connected is I had a, a question on one of those mm -hmm. forums and uh, you were one of the first one to jump into providing me that insight. And you were, you know, fairly generous with your time uh, despite being, you know, occupied and so on. Uh, so let me let me jump into another question specifically yeah. around, um, you know, what does that mean for product strategy uh, for marketing specifically? 
um, you know, how do you bridge that gap between technical and then kind of the go-to-market strategy? Because at the end of the day, uh, you are there to not just educate, but also, you know, propel the company forward in terms of sales and revenue. Absolutely. So it's, it's truly understanding what problem you're trying to solve. Uh, a lot of organizations will come out there and they'll, they'll say, I'm going to build a product and it's going to do this. And it's like, what, is that actually a problem or something that someone's worried about? You know, if if it's not a problem that someone's worried about, then you have the situation where you have to educate them to the problem. Um, so that adds a whole other aspect to it. So it's fully understanding, like, what is your go-to-market strategy? How are you going to get there? What is your target audience? Going out with this plan and, and, and knowledge before you even get to the point of ready to go GA. Um, really helping to do that. And then on top of that, if you have a highly technical topic, so let's... Let's go into how our product works right now, and I'm not going to pitch, but you know, it's an artificial intelligence and machine learning-based security product. That's a very common approach right now. Now, we're used to that within the traditional spaces. You saw Silence, Carbon Black, um, even McAfee, Sentinel-1, uh, um, CrowdStrike, all of them using artificial intelligence and machine learning in some way or another to protect traditional endpoints. But from a mobile aspect, what if we apply that same knowledge down to there? And that's, okay, this is a unique concept. And so what's the barrier there? Understanding that barrier, what's the barrier for our audience to understand that they need to apply the same security that they apply to their traditional endpoints to their mobile endpoints? Well, it's educating them. It's educating them on what the problem really is. And so we, you know, we here have, a, have that uphill battle. And it's a great battle to fight because, you know, Talking about this little device that I put in my hand and say, how asking that blunt question, which would you rather I have in my hand, your phone or your wallet? And then you can start building upon that and having my sales reps and my sales teams and my sales engineers understand that they have to talk about this in a way that is understandable, not just to the tech, but to the bean counters, to the, to the leaders, understanding that we need to under that we need to get to the point where they become advocates for our solution. And it, this can be applied to any solution, but that's what it really is. It's community building around what you're delivering. So you're building a community of excitement around this new tech or this product or this solution. And that's what product management and product marketing really is here to do. And there's a lot of iteration, right? So when you create a storyline and things are moving so fast, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you create like features and so on that you think the customers are looking for. Yeah. And then, you know, three months later, uh, the competitors are, are catching up. Um, how do you iterate that process? And how do you make sure that you, uh, you know, stay on top of, of the these conversations that the salespeople and the sales engineers are doing with their customers? Uh, you know, you have to get yourself injected right into mm -hmm. into some of that processes, um, but then but then getting getting the feedback and translating that into something that you can take to the you know product development team. That's a it's a, it's a bit of an art. It's almost like a black yeah. magic in, in a sense, right? So you've got sales enablement. Uh, yeah. I think that's a base component. But part of sales enablement isn't just educating your sales team um, and your uh, account execs how to sell the product and how to communicate the product. It's also getting out there and knowing how to do it yourself. Um, my team, we're, we're very, very particular on this. If we can't sell the product the exact same way our sales team is, we are not doing our job. 
So that is an expectation that is put on all of us is that when we go out there and we're talking to a prospect, we're talking to a customer, we use the same terminology, we're using the same language, we're using the same lingo, we're communicating in the same way as our sales team. So there's no breakdown in that communication process when they get transferred on to being a prospect or whatever. Then on top of that, it's being part of those sales calls. How is your sales team talking to the customer or prospect? How are they answering the questions? What questions are popping up? Making sure that there's an open line of communication, established line of communication. Hey, this prospect has this question. How do we go address that? And making sure that, that is public. That's a great thing about Slack is that we can always link back to a question or we can take that question and throw it into our to our sales and training and say, hey, this is a really good objection question that we've run into. We're going to add this in this part of our training so that when it pops up, you're aware. But we're part of that process. It's very, very hands-on. And then on after that, once they've become a customer and they become a trusted customer, setting up an advisory board, customer advisory board, inviting them to give the feedback. Hey, what do you like? What don't you like? What can we do better? And being willing and capable of receiving feedback. This, I think, is one of the biggest, fallacy, biggest failures of so many companies is where they do not listen to their customers. They are not listening to not just what their customers want, but what isn't working. Hey, the way you communicate this out just doesn't work. This is why. Here's why it's failing. And if someone goes, well, that's just how we do it, then you're not being product-led growth. You're, you're, you're being stagnant in that sense. And that's where you see a lot of companies kind of struggle. And you'll see the, the Reddit reviews and Twitter start to light up and say, hey, this is not mm -hmm. how you handle a customer. Yes. And sometimes customers are not keen in, in terms of, you know, providing that you know, insight. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times they just don't tell you or – you know, That's why you have to ask. You right. have to be willing to ask what's going on. You have to be willing to get that feedback to it. I think that's that's where it really comes down to is if, if you are not willing to ask, then then that means you have self-doubt or you have, you have doubt in that product or you have doubt in that solution. And so um, being willing to go out there and say, what is this? How is this working? What do you think? Give me a survey. Rate me. You know, tell me what tell me what we can do better, because that's the only way a company and a product is going to grow. And that's the only way a sales team is going to learn and continue to advance. Otherwise they're going to be selling the same way that they've been selling for five years. And when they do that, the trend is never up. Yeah. And how do you make sure that you are, you know, fresh in terms of the messaging? Because, you know, at least what I found is that a lot of companies, you know, depending on what sector and what's, you know, vertical they're in within the cybersecurity space, their messaging is very similar across the board and yeah. you know for you know prospective buyer it's it's almost super tough to to differentiate mm -hmm. um you know just from viewing like you know white papers if there is such a thing anymore uh and you know reviews and so on because it's it's very very tough it's you know the messaging is almost identical yeah that's a really really good point so i think that um, I call it the, I, I, it's the concept of the hub and spoke model and there's an expiration date. So say we create a solution brief around product X and we know that we do a product refresh or not a product refresh, but a product update for new features every 12 months or 12 weeks. And so we'll go in and we'll say, okay, at 10 weeks, this content is coming close to expiration. We need to re-review it and look at it and say, are we delivering one, authentic messaging, and two, messaging that is on point with the market? The second point is to always read your competitor's material. See what they're saying. How are they saying it? Are they saying it differently? Say, you know what? And give credit where credit's due. You know, hey, company Z is over here saying it this way. It's like, that's actually 
a really unique way to tell that story, a unique way to present this feature set. But here's how we are going to do it differently. And not being afraid to change it. You know, so you, you have the hub and spoke, you fix the hub. So the hub is your master document. You go and you update that solution brief. And then you have your channel partner information that you need to change up. You have your OEM partner information that you need to change up. You have your, your sector-based information, you know, vertical-based information that you need to change up. But it all comes off that that central hub. And so that was that that's what simplifies it and speeds up that process. But by updating the master document, you're able to then go and Okay, here's how we can we can approach that, and then staying fresh on that is not being afraid to push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. I, you, you hit on a lot of us are saying the exact same thing. Um, we're saying the same thing because there's a lot of conservatism when it comes to uh, to marketing. You don't want to push the boundary too much. You don't want to be so far outside left field. You don't want to change your market direction. So having that balance of what does it look like and what's the story that's being told and what's the messaging that's going to come forward. I'm going to give you an example. We, we're establishing here as Imperium, we secure mobile. That's our tagline. That's our mission. That is what we do. And that's what we do every single day in and out and educating our customer base, educating our sales reps, educating our leadership on we secure mobile. And you always have those, well, what about this? And what about that? And it's like, well, the reason why we're going with this is one, it's simple and two, it is the foundation of our company. It's the foundation of the products that we deliver to our customers. It can be mobile data, mobile employees, mobile customers, mobile devices, whatever it is, we are securing it. And going out there and say, was it necessarily the most advanced tagline? Absolutely not. But it tells a story straightforward and to the point. If other organizations like CrowdStrike, they came forward with We Stop Breaches. It's a very, very bold statement. I remember when they launched it. And everyone was like, uh, really, that's that's what you're going to go for. It's like, we stop breaches. Um, Sophos was, we stop ransomware. Sophos does so much more. CrowdStrike does so much more. Zimperium does so much more. But it's a tagline that draws somebody in. And it is fresher. And then you start to become a trendsetter. And people kind of go, oh, crap. We need something that somebody can go, company, tagline, they know the company, they know what they do right away. And then how do you build up the product information around that? How do you support that whole messaging? Because it was all a pyramid that all feeds up to that. Yeah, it's, that it, it is super interesting that, the, you know, distill the the messaging to something as simple and maybe not, you know, particularly accurate, um, but something that's memorable that, you know, people yeah. can, you know, rehash it. And as soon as they hear it, they say, okay, that's the company, right? Yeah. Uh, and let me, let me ask you this. So the... You know the buying process has also changed quite a bit. So it yeah. seems like, uh, you know, the way uh, CISOs are, are purchasing today, they, you know, they may ask their peers, um, you know, what have you done for you know to solve this problem? And then you know, because they have their own forums and whatnot, yeah. and then and then they come back, and when somebody reaches out to you, they're already like sold. They just want to know maybe like some pricing. You know, I wish it. I wish. You know. I don't know who you're talking to. I wish that. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least, at least from from what I've seen, at least some some depends. I guess it depends on what uh, you know. At least some some of the folks that I've talked to, you know, that's the kind of maybe maybe you know you have a very large market. I'm talking about maybe yeah. it would be the Fortune 100. Maybe that's the process yeah. how how they work. Um, but you know, for the general market, this this different. But a lot of times they do their own research. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they they establish uh, you know some sort of uh, insight to the product before they even reach out to anybody, yeah. right? Um, how have you um, 
you know, change kind of the marketing uh, messaging and so on, you know, to accommodate kind of the new reality of how business is done. So that's truly just getting down to fundamentals of understanding how do people research. Um, the number one search engine in the world we know is Google. The number two search engine in the world is YouTube. If you're not using YouTube to demonstrate your product and demonstrate your value, then you're not, then you're missing out on a large subset of people who are who are looking for intel. And some will counter and say, oh, CISO is not looking on YouTube. But how often do you go into Google and you type in you know, a topic and at the top of the Google results is YouTube results. And that gets you into YouTube mm -hmm. and the related videos. So you've got that. So understanding how are people researching? It's not just going to Gartner and looking at peer communities, but they're, they're actually looking into stuff. Most CISOs I know are not reading a solution brief. They'll look at a data sheet and they'll watch a quick video. Um, that's, you know, they're busy. They don't have necessarily all the time in the world to do, um, to do the deep down research. They've yeah. got a lot of lunches to attend and a lot of drinks to have with their, with their peers, you know, they're, they're out there living the life. Um, how do you get it to them quickly? How do you get it to them in a point that is digestible and understandable? So that gets back to that main story of, you know, how do you take a highly technical topic and make it digestible in a format that, you know, somebody can go, this is what they do, or this is their name. This is what they do. And here's how they do it really quick. You know, what's your five set? You know, what's your, what's your, your five line elevator pitch. You've got 25 words, 50 words, hundred words, know those. Mm -hmm. And that can be delivered via an email that can be delivered via a LinkedIn post that can be delivered via Twitter. Um, and then on top of that, you know, also engaging with your own communities, you know, Turning to your own CISOs that exist within that space, your customers and the customer CISOs, inviting them into panels, inviting them onto the show. Because, you know, no offense to all my CISO friends out there, uh, it is a lot of a popularity contest. And so if we invite a CISO onto our podcast or our to a panel that we're on at Gartner or something we're going to do on for a webinar, um, they're going to share it with their friends because it's bragging. Who doesn't want to brag to your point in a day and age where we're not leaving our home offices? Yeah, no, and I, I agree with the the kind of the Google search. I think that's basically encompass uh, yeah. the majority of the kind of reach out. And mm -hmm. and I'm uh, I tell you, Richard, like our conversation will probably show up in the first page when anybody searches for you. I hope so. I mean, there's, there's some there's some good competition out there with my name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. I did, uh, you know, find uh, you know a couple others, uh, Richard Maddock. and uh, so so where do we go from this? What is the you know uh, in your opinion the kind of the future of marketing? If you had a crystal ball, and you know, because we we we've been doing same same old same old. You know, you know, I still see companies doing webinars, doing you know, the traditional reach, um, you know, RSA got postponed for June, but, you know, same, same, same reach that they've done so far. Um, but yet they're, you know, a lot of them are, you know, struggling because they find that they, they're spending the marketing dollars, but not getting enough, you know, yeah. traction in the marketplace, you know, so how are things progressing? Like, do you, are we, and I know there's a lot of tools out there that do a lot of automation as well, right? Which is, is a lot of like, you know, kind of like, I guess, you know, various automation around ad campaigns, yeah. maybe some A-B testing. Uh, there's a lot of lead generation that, you know, mo I guess the multi-channel lead generation where, you know, they, they harass you on all fronts, um, you know, kind of thing. There, what, what's, what's your take on, you know, how the industry is evolving 
to cope with kind of the new reality of of uh, people getting, you know, A, they're working from home, yeah. uh, B, they're so inundated with like life in general, yeah. uh, they have to do what, and then, and then, you know, the getting the mind share from anybody these days, even on a personal level is, is super tough. So I think let's sit on the events one, because I do have a theory around the event side. Um, 2019 pre COVID events were, I mean, you'd go to 10 events a week and still barely hit all of them within the cybersecurity space and COVID hit and everything changed. You know, the events were gone. Events were postponed. Events were delayed, shortened, and smaller. And as somebody who had um, who spent 200 nights on the road every single year for three years for a company and went to these events on a global scale, you know, event after event after event, I couldn't be happier. Um, it almost reset it. It almost took us back to, forced a lot of companies to go back to the basics. And mm-hmm. this is, that's what you're talking about. They went back to the basics, but they didn't. But Richard, you, you don't like your platinum elite in, in no, Marriott? It. You don't miss I that? It. I love it. But, you know, it, <laughs> well, uh, a coworker of mine said that, you know, the people that, get the, that are the first ones aboard the plane are the ones that see their family the least. And so there's with those statuses that I've earned and all that kind of stuff, there's, there's that balance of like how, how many events at home, how many personal events have I lost But back to like where, what now looks like we've all gone back to basics. We've all had to go back to doing more webinars and more white papers and, you know, executive roundtables over the computer and all this living behind these cameras with these wonderful mic setups, like investing in ourselves. But to your point, a lot of companies are not moving the needle. They're struggling to make a mark. And I think that's because they're not thinking far enough. They're not pushing hard enough. An organization, the next company to make a big splash is going to be the company that comes up with something, a way to deliver a message, a way to deliver a story, a way to deliver a solution in a way that is novel, like malware. Like think, let's put it in the malware sense. The only malware that's talked about in Newsweek and USA Today and New York Times is novel. It's the stuff that really makes a splash. WannaCry, for example, let's bring WannaCry or, or Pegasus for another example for the phone side. You've got these pieces of novel malware that have a big impact around the world or heavy impact against a specific group that get the news, but there's millions of pieces of malware that are discovered every single year. Why do those two pop up? And the same can be applied towards any group's marketing. When you look at your competition, if you're ambulance chasing what your competition is doing, you are losing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100%. If you do exactly what they do, if you have the same messaging, if you're sending out a similar email, if you have a similar blog, you are losing. So an organization looks at these problems, looks at how are we gonna dive into this market, educate the market and drive the market. How are we gonna do it different? You know, roadshows will come back. Intimate roadshows will come back. I do believe that they're coming back. Round tables are coming back or it's small groups. And these the shows that survived, RSA, Black Hat, JISEC, JITEC, um, all these shows that are around the world the ones that survive, they're smaller. And having talked to a, a friend of mine recently, he said, 
the people that show up now are the people that want to be there, not the people that want a vacation. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's like a, so that's, that's, that's where a it comes filter. down to is like, understand, like if you're, if you're ambulance chasing, if you're not, if you're not pushing this space, if you're not doing something new, look at the tech stack. You know, I, I look at this in the sense of we've got Slack, right? I've got my Slack community right here. You and I met through the Cybersecurity Marketing Society. I have multiple communities that I'm a part of within Slack. How is your organization using Slack as a marketing tool? Nobody is. Not that I know of. Why? Agreed. It's a community tool. It's free. You can literally set up a free Slack community and host something, host conversations, why are you not doing it? Why are you not pushing that space, you know, inviting people in to become advocates? Or on top of that, you know, building up a community of, of advocates that are going to go out there and broadcast the world or doing something interesting on Reddit or YouTube or Twitch or you know, Instagram or all these social media platforms. Look at it and say, what can we do different to deliver this message, to make a mark, to get some attention, to be in the news, to be novel? Yeah, and to have have authentic conversation, unscripted authentic conversation like we have. Yeah, I think this is something that uh, it's not done enough. Correct. You know, a lot of this stuff is scripted. People follow, um, you know, certain guidelines and so on, and people are a little tired of it. People just like yeah. to have. They're boring. They're boring. Know. I don't. I don't know the last webinar I actually attended. That you know, as soon as it's scripted, I'm like, I'm done. You know, yeah, and, I, and I don't even go into my webinar scripted, which the bane of the. Uh, my marketing team, they hate it, but I don't even do my <laughs> webinars with a script. Just, right, we're going to talk about what's on this slide. Well, Richard, there's only a picture on the slide. I know. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it. Exactly. And Richard, like, and it's okay not to know all the answers. It's okay to pause. Exactly. And it's okay to, to you know, have a few blips. You know, people love to see that. What you, about, you, you hit on something. I really want to hit on that. Yeah, um, go ahead. I will never trust a marketer or a sales rep that has all the answers. Never. Never will. Um, I don't care if you do have all the answers. I don't care if you know the product so well or the space so now so well that you are you are considered the congressional expert that is called to do testimony. I don't care. If you have every single answer, I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And I think the same can be said for our customers. And so when when I go into a lot of sales calls and listen to sales calls, um, you know, for for competition and you know, just in general, I just want to see how other people are selling a product that might be novel. How are you selling it? If somebody has every single answer and isn't taking the opportunity to say, you know, I don't know. Let me get back to you. If yeah, they're not typically. doing that, they are failing. I used to preempt that by saying I learned it the hard way that I mm. have to say that I don't know. And therefore, yeah. I, I always say that if I don't know anything, something that, that I'm missing. Uh, and what's your take on kind of the... You know the new technologies, right? So Meta wants us to to all have these like virtual reality goggles, and and you know it's always like think, I think about it when I see that I think about a scene from uh, Wally, if you recall, oh, like yeah. how they they're floating in the chairs and they're basically viewing a screen, and we're all going to be into this world. Um, you know, do you think that that's going to be eventually the future of marketing, where we're going to have this, you know, goggles, VR goggles, tactile suits, and we're going to be in a virtual conferences we walking around potentially with never leaving our couch i really hope not um <laughs> I, I genuinely do not I, I i don't plan on ever being a part of the metaverse of web 3.0 that's it's too i don't know if i'm aging myself or something like that. <laughs> go ahead it's, it's it's too much we're already immersed it's on my it's on my wrist it's on my phone it's on my computer if i just it's on my car like Everything is already interconnected. Um, 
Meta, I think, is sorry. It's Facebook. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not get it like that. Uh, but they're not. The, all they're doing is a VR VR instance to gather more data on us. And as a security person, that that is worrisome to me. Um, I think that it's too immersive and too disconnecting from reality. And yeah, we we play video games, we watch movies, we doom scroll on Instagram and Reddit, and we already have enough things to distract us from the reality of you know COVID, politics, life in general. Do we need another thing? Do we need something else that's so immersive that it distracts from actually living life? And um, you know that takes me to this idea of, the, of influencers. You see a lot of these influencers, these social media influencers that I kind of hit on earlier. They spend more time portraying the perfect life than actually living it. And so the same could be said, if we spend more time portraying the perfect product than actually delivering it, then are we actually investing in the right space? Or or potentially become a self-fulfilling prophecy where eventually the product will catch up to to the marketing. Yeah. Maybe. I mean that's a that's a big thing right there. It's like how how are you going to deliver how are you going to deliver the product that you're promising? Do you have the capability to? I don't think Meta is the one that's going to deliver the metaverse. Um, I just don't. I think of the game uh, or the book. Um, oh, it was a movie. It was um, Steven Spielberg's movie, Ready Player One. I think it was. It was that, and you know, everyone went home after the apocalypse, and they put on their VR goggles, and they went and lived life, and they had relationships in the metaverse and everything. And if that's what, if that's what they're trying to get to is like that movie really well portrayed what happens when you just invest into the digital life, you know, ultimately are we going to become the matrix or are we going to become what, you know, where does it take us? (laughs) So I gather you're not buying, you know, you know, securing your property, uh, you know, your virtual property and meta. You're not standing in line for to get your own, you know, virtual conference. Nope. You know, space. <laughs> nope, I am. I am. I'm really happy. I, you know, I have enough. I have enough uh, hard time maintaining what I have. You know, let's not add more to my life. More to my hey, Richard, it's been absolutely pleasure to uh, to do this. Thank you very much. I feel like we we should probably do this on a regular basis. Uh, you know, catch up on uh, online once a quarter. And uh, what's the easiest way for people to reach out to you for, you know, whatever reason, uh, yeah. just to get insight, mentorship, uh, you know, future engagement, whatever else uh, that may be. What's the easiest way? Yeah, LinkedIn, Richard Malik, can't miss me, a big bearded guy. And then Twitter, RC Malik. Uh, follow me, connect with me, say hi. Uh, if you send me an invite on LinkedIn, please just put in a note of, you know, where you heard me because I, I deny all blank invites or if you know just generic ones i just you know got to keep it clean a little bit i don't want to be sold too constantly so um but yeah reach out to me there and uh instagram just to plug my own photography r malik uh it's where that's more of my personal side but it's a photography side but you're welcome to see the creative side of my life there too yeah personal is good um Thank you very much, Richard. Uh, again, it's been a real pleasure. And uh, I hope uh, maybe one day I'll get to do this in person in New York City, wow. one of the upcoming events um, when things open up again. We can maybe make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for all of that joined. Uh, stay safe out there and I'll see you at the next event. Thanks, David. Take care.